0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tech Spansive. We are in episode 99. So thank you for uh, joining us for episode 99 of, of Tech Expansive. I am Sean Dubrovac from Avrio
1: Institute. And I'm Ross Rubin at Radical Research.
0: Uh, the big news this week was clearly all of the announcements that we saw coming out of Google I.O. And every Google I.O. Uh, addition There's a, a slew of announcements and demos, and it gives us a feel of not only what Google is working on right now, but what they uh, are working on in the future.
1: Yeah, Google has a history of um, releasing things uh, or announcing things that are fairly tightly related to their business at Google I/O, as well as giving us a, a, a taste of the future. So we thought we would. Sort of structure our our take on that, uh, looking at some of the things that were closest to its business and expanding out kind of to uh, to new more sci-fi ish uh, areas uh, of of the business. So, uh, starting off, you know, certainly uh, Google has been uh, under a lot of scrutiny for privacy policies and is facing a lot of heat from Apple uh, in terms of Apple's more aggressive take on privacy and uh Google has uh also talked up privacy in the past uh few years uh but in the past, it was really more kind of an adversarial uh take at at Apple, saying that uh you know we think privacy is something that should be available to everyone uh as opposed to Apple products, which tend to be premium products. but it was privacy on Google's terms, which meant that they were going to do a better job of exposing the functionality, exposing the controls. But you know, if, if you weren't gonna take any action, uh, you, you would be uh, opted in by default. Now, this year, I see them taking making some changes to uh, make uh, better defaults, more privacy-friendly defaults. So for example, uh, they have uh, implemented a, a practice whereby, Uh, All of your history uh, in an account will be wiped clean uh, after a year and a half. Uh, It's not something you have to manually do. Uh, It'll just happen. Uh, In addition, uh, in the next version of Android, uh, there's going to be kind of this running log of kinds of information that apps have asked for, including Google Apps, and you'll be able to to see that. Uh, In the search bar, you're going to be able to quickly delete the last 15 minutes of your search history. Uh, and they're doing other things in uh, Google Photos, for example, uh, to uh, allow people who might not want uh, some of their history to uh, to show up uh, in Google Photos or, or be hidden. Uh, Lauren Good at Wired uh, had a great piece on this a while back where she talked about her wedding, her planned wedding that never came to be. Uh, and how painful it was, you know, to constantly get reminders of of that. Uh, And uh, Google cited, you know, uh, conversations with the trans community, for example, uh, where people might not want to have certain periods of their life uh, surfaced. So uh, a lot going on in that area, uh, as well as changes to their camera AI algorithms to do a better job uh, on darker skin tones, uh, which uh, has been an issue not only in photographs uh, that we preserve for memory, but in, uh, in, in all kinds of uh, AI uh, applications. So, so those, were, I think, were some of the things that spoke to the core of the ad-driven business. Uh, and then there was uh, the most significant update to Google Workspace that we have seen in many years, Uh, Google rolled out a new feature called Smart Canvas and it is a layer that lives on top of docs and sheets and slides that provides for collaboration, communication, light project management. In other words, it's a layer that recreates uh, a lot of what goes on in Teams, Microsoft Teams or Slack. Uh, And uh, I find Google's approach here very interesting, Uh, whereas Microsoft, I think Microsoft has wanted to do something like this for at least a decade. And then they found Teams and they said, oh, you know, this is the model. We're going to create this hub and, and the Office components and all these other components will all come into Teams. And that's been working pretty well for them. Uh, but I think originally what they wanted to do was to have Office be the hub and build on top of that. And that's kind of what this is. You know, it lives on top of your productivity applications and it's extensible. So while we've seen Google rationalize its uh, chat applications uh, over the past year and a half and Google Meet, uh, which uh, which also saw some significant upgrades at uh, at I.O., uh, this is a, an opportunity for them to really get in the game and drive uh, a lot of extensibility, really try to attract third parties to building out these components uh, that they call chips. Um, so it's a, it's a little bit of kind of a no-code development message at all, uh, all as well. Um, and uh, the last surprising thing for me on that front was that uh, they're going to give it away for free to everybody, uh, which is which is a little surprising because uh, the trend for Google has been to uh, charge a premium as they have upped the functionality and Workspace, uh, formerly G Suite, um, and so uh, so they must feel pretty strongly uh, that this can really help drive. That business, or maybe because they're entering late, uh, they feel they have some catching up to do with uh, Microsoft and certainly Slack.
0: Well, and I, I think what you're going to see all the companies focus on is what the future of work looks like, and whether it's going to be a, a, a hybrid work environment, whether we're working in the office, whether we have some people, you know, working at home. You, you saw, I think, as we hit the pandemic. That everybody rushed to find tools that would help them collaborate, connect, communicate, and you definitely saw a lot of the, the those companies—Zooms, Slacks of the world—integrate new features relatively quickly. I was quite impressed with how how quickly they were uh, they were integrating. It seems like every time I open Zoom, I see a new feature uh, launched, and uh, it, I think Google had been a little bit slower moving there's been some tweaks around meet and getting google meet uh their video platform to to be uh, more central to their offerings Uh, but now i think you're you're seeing them embrace the ability to integrate across other platforms to take advantage of other platforms and and they recognize that there's probably a lot of small offices that are using google suite services that are using google docs to communicate and they're trying to add greater functionality, uh, especially for those offices that may have a couple of, you know, even those that go back to a physical office may still have the need to, uh, to pull in people who are off-site. So I, I think you're going to continue to see a lot of iteration here, it, it, not just with Google, but with all of the platforms as they try to figure out what, um, you know, kind of what comes next and, and how we work.
1: And looking uh, a bit further into the future, uh, Google showed off a new speech, natural speech engine called uh, Lambda, uh, L lowercase a, M-D-A. And uh, the demonstrations for this were uh, pretty impressive. Uh, You were able to have a relatively natural conversation with the character of the planet Pluto. And you could ask it questions and it would express uh, a, a lot of nuance uh, in terms of the the responses, uh, understanding things well beyond what you would be able to type into a Google search bar today and expect to get uh, any kind of helpful results uh, on. Uh, the two examples I, I mentioned, uh, the planet Pluto, they also showed a conversation you could have with a paper plane and ask it, uh, you know so what 's what 's the best way to ensure that you know i, I can get good distance when when throwing you uh, and uh obviously educational applications uh really could be uh transformative, especially i think uh with uh augmented reality uh the idea that something could appear in front of you uh, and uh you know you could have uh conversations with great figures from from the past uh or uh, highly technical information from a machine explaining itself. So you can kind of see how we're, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this in a minute, how we're kind of getting on this uh, path toward, you know, we talk about smart homes, smart cities, really really a smart world where just about everything has uh, a degree of intelligence uh, about itself and kind of a story to tell. Uh, and you're able to tap into that. In, uh, in a couple of different ways. And then uh, kind of getting back to human-to-human communication, uh, the last thing that they showed, uh, well, not the last thing, they showed many things, a uh, huge new quantum computing facility that they're building. But uh, in terms of the uh, visual uh, dynamics, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the best demo, uh, they closed with something called uh, Project Starline and, uh, you know, I, I kind of think of this as uh, if you've ever seen, you know, scenes in movies where people uh, talk to people on the other side of a glass, you know, maybe they're in, in prison somehow or there's some kind of like immune issue. And, you know, you can't be you can't touch face to face, but you, you see them on the other side of a pane of glass. Uh, that is my best description for what this looks like. You sit down on this booth in front of a pane of glass, and the person you're corresponding with appears as a hologram on the other side. And much unlike Zoom, uh, where you're seeing a two-dimensional video of the other person, it really looks like the other person is sitting in front of you. You know, there's a very wide field of view. Uh, You can see the three-dimensional textures as, as they turn. Uh, and again, at least from this video, and you know, they've got certainly uh, a lot of work ahead of them still, it was virtually indistinguishable from having a per- an actual person sitting in front of you. Uh, it's all done with a very fancy camera array and a new type of light field display that they have developed, uh, as well as uh, some very aggressive compression uh, in order to, to do this uh, over the internet. Uh, with the kind of latency that you need to recreate that feeling of of being face-to-face. So it is, um, uh, I I consider it, uh, you know, kind of a perfect punctuation point to what we have all experienced, or many of us have experienced over the past year, uh, in terms of the limitations of uh, video communications, Uh, and, uh, you know, you still can't reach out and touch the other person, but uh, it is the best example of technology getting out of the way of a remote meeting uh, that has been produced to date.
0: Uh, Tyler Cowan, who is my uh, dissertation advisor in, in, in grad school, uh, wrote an article this week for Bloomberg where he said he felt like he was finally living in a science fiction serial. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he talked about the, the you know, China landing and ex- exploratory vehicle on Mars and, and all the functionality that, that it had including artificial intelligence. And, and certainly uh, a major theme from Google I.O. was uh, what the future is going to look like and how AI is going to play an, an integral role to that and, and broadly computing. I mean, I think that was the the narrative around their their quantum computing and, and they called it a quantum AI campus and In Santa Barbara so uh, AI is is clearly uh, central to where they you know they want to take us uh, both as you pointed out Ross and the features they're launching now around photo editing photo management Uh, you see it showing up in in their workforce applications and workplace applications and uh, you see it in their their future applications as well Uh, In other news this week, we had a a number of announcements from, uh, you know, a couple of different companies that I think relate to the the competitive environment that's taking place for uh, what I'll call established companies in relatively mature areas. So, for example, this week we saw Apple launch uh, an affiliate program for paid podcast subscribers letting users earn a one-time commission of 50% of a podcast monthly subscription price. Apple has for a very long time dominated the, the podcast space. Arguably, they cr- really created or, or modernized oh, sure. the, the podcast. Yeah. And uh, and as we look at Techspansive and, and uh, even other podcast stats that I've seen, the majority of listens are coming through the, the Apple podcast platform. You're probably listening right now on, a, on an Apple device. There's a, there's
1: a good chance. Yeah,
0: there's a good yeah. chance that, that you are. <laughs> uh, at the same time, you have others that are really starting to enter the space. Spotify being you know, near the top of that list. They've done a lot to build out an ecosystem of proprietary podcasts, bringing in some really big studios and, and big names to build out that and, and drive you to listen on, on their podcast platform. Uh, we saw this week that Spotify partnered with uh, Storytel, which is an audible rival, giving subscribers on the Spotify platform the ability to listen to, to uh, any of Storytel's over half a million dollar titles. And uh, so you see Spotify continuing to move into other areas. You know it'll be interesting to see if Spotify ever introduces a clone for Clubhouse or something like that, because they're really trying to own everything that is audio and, and the full audio entertainment experience uh, existing on the Spotify network. And and you see Apple, uh, I think in their announcement, kind of waking up to this idea that oh we better start figuring out how to reward podcast hosts uh, in order to keep them on the platform or to bring new ones onto the platform, or we're going to see them move to some of these other competing platforms. And, and I would imagine that even some of the social networks like Clubhouse are pulling what might have been a podcast in the past to a live viewing experience, essentially a live listening experience in that, that Clubhouse environment. And we've talked in past episodes about the number of of uh, competitors for clubhouse twitter of course being in, at the top of uh, of that list and then in a, in another adjacent story you saw that uh, netflix is looking to potentially expand into video games to include options like apple arcade in a game bundle this is something we've kind of talked about as well where where uh, netflix as it matures will need to move into other categories so i I think we're setting up or continuing to set up a really interesting landscape for how established companies are going to compete in pretty established categories game video streaming Audio, uh, you know, everything kind of fits in the audio, whether it's podcasts or books. Uh, We're we're seeing a lot of movement there as companies who are entering that space and have entered that space are trying to build out their ecosystem. Often it's not just startups, but it's large companies like a Netflix that are moving into adjacent areas. And then you have the incumbents who have uh, relatively controlled that environment for many, many years now recognizing that it, that just because they're large and control that, it may not be a, a, a viable position for them to maintain if they don't uh, make some changes. So some really interesting things, I think, happening in those areas.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's been interesting to see there's been so much focus on Twitter and Facebook moving into these media spaces. Uh, it's interesting to see the incumbents start to um, – uh, diversify their offerings, spotify fighting uh, a war on two fronts, uh, one against uh, amazon uh, with the audible uh, competition, uh, the other with uh, the other with uh, apple on on the podcast uh, side uh, and uh, you know absolutely, I think particularly as we emerge from the pandemic and people start moving again uh, and start commuting again. There is a huge opportunity for uh, to to expose um, uh, to, to expose commuters to new new programs, new content types, uh, particularly in audio, where you just have so much more flexibility in terms of uh, where where you can enjoy it uh, in, in the car uh, in, and in lots of uh, places where, where video is um, is uh, is not feasible uh, today and uh and, and as for Netflix, it's kind of funny when the company's business was more of a DVD by mail kind of a, a kind of an operation. you know their big uh, one, one of their contemporaries was Gamefly, uh, which was doing a, a very similar business, except shipping game game discs around uh, instead of uh, DVDs. Uh, and uh, you know a lot of people floated the idea that Netflix should acquire. Game fly. Uh, but, of course, just like in video, uh, DVD, you know, games have largely uh, moved to the digital uh, sphere, uh, some GameStop uh, stock run-ups not, notwithstanding. Uh, and so, uh, so, so this just, you know, makes a lot of sense for them to control a greater uh, percentage of, of the television viewing experience. You also you also have to say, you know, Apple has been, was a little bit slow to get into some of these categories, but, but they were really, they've really been a pioneer in terms of the bundle, uh, you know, with Apple one, we haven't really heard a lot about how that's faring. Certainly if you're going all in, uh, it gets uh, rather expensive, uh, but they, they have all the pieces uh, and I, you could argue that they are the only one. Uh, so you, you take that and their platform advantage. Uh, and you can see how it really forces competitors to to raise the bar uh, in in order to compete, particularly on the on on Apple uh, platforms
0: and I think we 're going to see all of these platform companies look to expand into uh, adjacent areas Uh, i you know i think airbnb is a great example of a company that wants to be a platform i think you're going to see them move into a lot of other areas that they're not in today already they've tried to move into some of the other what i'll call tourist centric experiences you know whether that's a cooking class or a city tour or some other Mm. things like that but i think there's some other areas that that they will try to move into as well uh Car rentals would be a natural extension for them. There's probably a lot of other areas they that they could move into flights and other things so I think you're going to see more from them as a as a platform um, company
1: and uh I'll just end with um you know not every company is cut out to be a media company uh as we've seen from verizon and certainly a t and t
0: uh yeah that's a great great point ross. Uh, In our final story of the the week, we saw some uh, interesting news from Snap. Snap has unveiled its first AR glasses. They have four built-in microphones, two stereo speakers, a touchpad. And, uh, of course, Snap has been, I would say, very committed to the AR environment uh, through the app. They've also... Uh, dabbled in glasses, and so this is a, a continuation of what they've done in glasses. Uh, and in related news, they agreed to acquire Wave Optics, which is the supplier of the AR displays used in these new spectacle the, glasses. The, the, wa-
1: the wave guides, which yeah. uh, actually position the uh, the image in front of you.
0: Yeah, so they they are paying a uh, half a billion dollars for that company. So it's clear that. Uh, that snap is all in they my read on this is that they really like their glasses and they want to lock up their <laughs> you know their suppliers um it's interesting to see them essentially become a vertically integrated company they're also betting on a, a lot of volume uh because they're going to need to you know take full advantage of of any capital that that wave optics has deployed in making glasses and and uh you know they buy Becoming their single buyer, they remove some of the potential economies to scale that will keep prices down. So they're really betting on a, a tremendous amount of volume that they're going to be able to do. It, it's an area that they've dabbled in. Uh, you know, They really are, first and foremost, a, a software company, but they have played in the hardware space, especially in glasses, for a while. They really view themselves as a camera company yeah
1: I was gonna say you know this uh, they've, they've long described themselves as a camera company uh, and uh, th- this has implications for that uh, this is the third generation of spectacles and and the first two were really uh, focused on video capture kind of from the point of view of, of your face and streamlining that video capture to share on on snapchat uh, and we'll, we'll see how it all comes together but at least on the glasses side, uh, yes, you know, this is the third generation, but they have always engaged in very limited distribution uh, of these things um, because, you know, they, they know this is not a mass market product yet, but it is it certainly represents one of the more aggressive attempts by a company to consumerize uh, AR. I would say also, of course, that uh, their number one competitor by far is Facebook uh, with Instagram. Uh, and just as Facebook has invested heavily in uh, Oculus uh, and has said that it's planning its first set of smart glasses for later this year, um, which they have set expectations for being Relatively modest uh, in terms of uh, what they can do. Probably not as capable as what uh, this new generation of spectacles can do. But um, but you know, in both cases, uh, trying to transcend uh, their positions as just another app uh, on your phone uh, in some way. Uh, and uh, you know, we'll we'll have to see how Snap can can leverage this in, into competitive differentiation because while they trot out these hardware experiments from time to time, uh, they certainly haven't had any indication uh, that that is turning into any kind of business for them. In fact, there's not even a price associated uh, with this uh, new generation of spectacles yet uh, because they are deploying them through some kind of creator's program just to kind of see what what people can do with it. but. Based on the um, ba- based on the configuration and it's based on the qualcomm x r one extended reality platform same same basic platform that's in uh, lenovo's uh, think reality uh, a three glasses that they released uh, earlier this year you're probably looking at something in kind of the seven hundred dollar range um, so uh how how we get from there to something that we're all wearing on our face, having conversations with paper planes and, and other objects, uh, is is really going to be the the sticky uh, part, you know, the tough part of this problem.
0: And of course, all eyes are on Apple with uh, continued rumors that they will launch their own AR glasses, which would be their first, uh, even as early as this year. So I'm expecting a, a summer. Release a summer announcement. Um, Others expecting it at the earliest next year, but it's clear that uh, Apple has dedicated resources to this area, and that they'll be looking at uh, how they'll, uh, you know, how that will play out. So I'm sure they're watching what Snap does here very closely. And and Apple loves to come into a category after it's been somewhat established, and uh, and disrupt that establishment with their own uh, their own offering. So we'll watch closely what Apple is doing. That wraps it up for uh, this week's episode of Tech Expansive. Thanks for joining us for episode 99. We look forward to a uh, special treat in next week's episode. So definitely tune in for episode 100. I am uh, Sean Dubravac. You can find me on Twitter at Sean dubravac.
1: And I'm Ross Rubin. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Rubin. Thanks for listening.